Good morning again, everyone. I'm Nelson, still Nelson. Um, shouts to the live stream folk. Trust there are still a few of you. And uh, it's good to be with you in this space. And um, that's not the way they did it at Trinity or Columbia Bible College. So I was just like, is the hallelujah, the rapid hallelujah, is that from the Kanye version? Like, Brooklyn Tabernacle, did Kanye do it too? Yeah, he stole it from Trinity, right? From Brooklyn Tabernacle, okay. So it's like, uh, Kanye, I just have this image of Kanye West like combing the internet for worship songs, stumbling across BC's Northwest and, and yeah, anyway. Really fun to sing that with you all this morning. Um, we're gonna do a few things today um, in the spirit of improvisation, which I think is already kind of going on. Uh, I also get to play jazz now and then, and I've got a couple of gigs this last weekend, and so it's just in that spirit, just improvise. It's been so good. As the world opens up, people need their music, and it's been a delight to be able to offer some of that. So to begin with, I just wanna acknowledge Earth Day. And I'm glad we got to sing uh, The Earth is Yours this morning. I just want to acknowledge its importance and its urgency for us as people of faith. And though Earth Day is not officially part of the liturgical calendar, I, we feel increasingly compelled in recent years, or we felt this way, to give greater emphasis to questions of how we might care well for the earth as followers of Jesus. And so Earth Day and our observance of it as Christians I would say isn't just culturally important, it's theologically vital. And so this year though, it kind of snuck up on us as a uh, staff team for a few reasons. There's just a bunch of stuff going on. It's really close to Holy Week. Uh, church retreat is coming up next weekend. We're preparing for the launch of our leadership search. We're getting things ready for Scott, taking a sabbatical break, which we're gonna get to in a moment. Um, and maybe we're not the only ones that snuck up on. I don't know, but all of our plates seem pretty full these days. All that said, I came across an invitation from one of our indigenous siblings, an author who some of you would be aware of named Caitlin Curtis. Uh, I, I wanna share this with you all. It was an Instagram post she shared just a couple of days ago, and some of you likely saw it. It's got an old school Coldplay soundtrack, the song Don't Panic. Oh my goodness, old school Coldplay, am I right? It's still cool. Don't let the haters, okay. Um, so, and there's some images of flowers and forest and Caitlin herself taking some deep breaths and then she wrote this. Yes, it is Earth Day and I'm wondering if you'll do something with me. Today and in the coming days and months, take some time to define the relationship with Segmekwe, Mother Earth. Well, DTR, she continues, ask how close you are how close you have been. When did you stop communicating? What amends can be made or laughter shared? What love letters can be written or prayers prayed? Isn't that beautiful? We won't get far, she says, in fighting for the earth if we do not first understand that there's a relationship to mend and tend to. Let's start there and let's share what we've learned along the way. You see what she's doing, right? This is justice-directed activism rooted in and beginning with contemplation. And again, our indigenous sisters and brothers or siblings are some of our best teachers in this posture, so I was so delighted 
to come across this and uh, learning from her. I remember our friend Cheryl Bear teaching us why we ought to use the term Mother Earth. And she said, because it's where we are literally newborn dependent on the earth and its resources. That's, it's when we start to run out of resources that we realize how dependent we are. So it's an invitation for you all to join me in a little DTR with our planet. So I'm calling it the spiritual practice of defining our relationship with Mother Earth. And so could we commit to doing this individually, together in the coming weeks, sharing what we learn, whether it's in the socials or through an email with our neighborhood groups, whatever it happens to be, we're gonna post Caitlin's reflection questions through our social media channels this week to remind you. And if you don't know this already, our sermon slides are always available on our website, usually by Monday. This week, it's a pro D, so we'll see how that works <laughs> tomorrow, but it'll probably be tomorrow. Rebecca's giving a thumbs up. And so under the resources drop down, you just click sermons and you'll find it there in our current series. Okay, so continuing our improvisation uh, this morning. Today is a hinge moment in at least three ways. One, we are entering a new season in the church year known as Eastertide. And if you're like me, I grew up assuming Easter was just a single day, uh, tacked on to 40 days of doom and gloom, as uh, Professor N.T. Wright put it, referring, of course, to the season of Lent. It wasn't really until a few years ago that I learned most of the church, globally speaking, observes Easter as a season. So Eastertide is this period of 50 days between Easter and Pentecost. It's a time where we join with all followers of Jesus in celebrating his resurrection, while at the same time remembering in betweenness and the ongoing reality of grief and suffering and loss. As someone put it recently, we refuse to do theology with our backs to the Holocaust. Yeah? Or COVID, or the war in Ukraine, or wherever there is pain. So two years ago, just as the pandemic was descending on us all, we did our series as we were pivoting to online spaces, and we called it Easter Tide in Strange Times. The strange times are still with us. And so asking ourselves what it might look like to keep Easter as a community of faith, here's the question we sat with. How might we hold space for ourselves and others to feel and name fear, and yet also open to the promise and possibility of resurrection joy? Right? There's room for all of it. It still feels appropriate today, doesn't it? I think it's a good Eastertide posture to take on. It's a hinge moment in a second way, because we're in this new season, it makes sense that it's also a hinge moment in the gospel text. And Scott, would you come up and uh, join me at this time? You already heard Bree offer the full lectionary reading from John 20, 19 to 31, but the full text, we're just gonna focus on uh, the first few verses today. So I invite us to hear them together and then uh, we'll keep going. This one's from the message translation. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews had locked all the doors in the house. Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, peace to you. Then he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were awestruck. Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. Then he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you gonna do with them? 
As the text continues on, you might remember, you should remember, from the, the Thomas episode happens. We've given Thomas a lot of airtime in this church over the years. But I, I just was struck by this thought this morning that Thomas is, you know, they were awestruck, but I wonder if they had some other emotions too. I think Thomas is a bit of a case study for what they're all experiencing. When Jesus said, here, touch, touch my side, look at my hands, that's for their, all of their benefit. It wasn't just Thomas, right? They were all fearful, they were all locked down. Anyway, so that's just a little thought. But I spent some time doing some Lectio this morning, or this week with this passage, and the phrase that had neon lights for me was, Jesus entered and stood among them. I've got a friend who often signs her emails in love and solidarity. And that word solidarity has come to mean so much to me during pandemic times. It just feels increasingly important to know who's with me, you know? Who loves me? And because they love me, I can also have assurance that they stand with me, that they're for me. They're cheering me on. They have my back. And if I'm with someone in that way and I want them to know it, then the invitation is to verbalize that or sign off an email or a text in some manner to let them know, I'm with you in love and solidarity. So to me, Jesus showing up as resurrected reality, right in the center of the disciples, fear and anxiety, breaking in, breaking through into their lockdown places, this whole scene when, when Jesus says peace to you, he's also saying, I know you're afraid, but I'm here. I, I'm with you in love and solidarity. Scott, what has this text been stirring in you? He had no idea this question was coming, even though it's right in my notes. And he's seen my notes. Yeah, it was, uh, that's a joke, by the way. I did know. Um, I, uh, I tried not to prepare any, any notes or things, but I really wanted to hear the text afresh today because this is a very familiar text. And uh, as Bree was reading it this morning, I just couldn't help but imagine what was that like when Jesus breathed on them? And like silly things, like what did Jesus' breath smell like? Like was it just naturally ever present? <laughs> yeah, fresh ever fresh or, or did you have bad breath? I don't know. But what was that experience like just for Jesus to, and here it says, breathe into them. And uh, it's kind of a crazy idea when you think about it. And it immediately jogged my memory back to uh, good friends Hayden and Liz from New Zealand. They've now since gone back to New Zealand, but they were part of this church community. And um, in New Zealand, in the indigenous culture of the Maoris, uh, there is this thing that they practice, which was called the hongi. And it's a shared breath. And I was wondering if we could demonstrate it. It's basically, it's basically like you, you say hey to someone, but then you draw them in close and kind of head to head, and then a shared breath. <laughs> Sure. Just like we ran into each other this morning. <laughs> yeah. That was intense. And the, and the idea of the hongi, from what I understand, is that there's this shared breath that we entered a shared life together. And so Jesus is, is in a sense, sharing his life with the disciples, if, if you take that, that line of thinking. 
Um, but also, I just love that paired with that, it, it was the thing that they needed the most. And as I'm getting ready to go on sabbatical, I mentioned this in my sermon last week, but I am I'm famous for details. Like I, I like writing lists and I, I, I'm, I'm okay with details. I'm comfortable with that. And just getting ready to leave for over three and a half months, I have a lot of lists and a lot of things. And like, and you know, Rebecca, don't forget that when you do the live stream, you can press this button or whatever, like silly things like that. And what struck me in this passage is Jesus isn't giving details. He's giving them what they needed the most. And what they needed most was his spirit. And uh, again, I mentioned this last week and I've heard people say this before, but Jesus didn't give us a roadmap. He gave us a compass. So it's not about the details and how-to manuals, the basic instructions before leaving earth. It is, it's about receiving his spirit. And in a sense, I, I love it. Like he, he's coming to his disciples, he's about to leave them, and the thing that he gives them is his spirit. Like, you, yes, you're going to make mistakes. Like, obviously, you're not gonna get it perfect. It's not about that. It's not about living a perfect life. It's about receiving my spirit and then offering that to people and, in a sense, sharing the hongi, sharing the, the shared breath. So I love that. And then also just, uh, just jumped out to me today and hi highlighted uh, bold was uh, that this is t connected to forgiveness. Um, that it's like... You receive my spirit, and my spirit is one of reconciliation and forgiveness. Not like, hey, and when I go, remember the, the family in Galilee that I talked to, like, make sure you say hey to her, and when you go in, you gotta go the back door because the front door doesn't work. Like, none of those details mattered. It's like, here's my spirit. And my spirit is reconciliation. And take that with you. And practice that in your life. Peace be with you. And he even repeats it twice, right? He says, peace be with you. Because that's a common greeting. Uh, shalom. Uh, but then he says it again, almost like, do you know what I'm saying here? Like, my peace, my fullness, my essence. Be with you. Take it. And go from here. So those are just a few of the thoughts running through my head. And this scripture is just so alive. Uh, and, and just thinking of Jesus' choices as a leader, as a as a a maker of disciples, this is what he chooses to say. Peace be with you, breathe, and forgive people. That's interesting, yeah. Thanks, Scott. Um, in my notes, it specifically says, Scott shares some mini sermon gold. <laughs> so tick that box. Yeah, that's really good. Appreciate that. So the third way that we're in a hinge moment in our church, um, it is actually in a couple of ways. So Peter, would you come and join us as well? Peter, our moderator. So if you're creating an outline in your head, hinge moment one, new Eastertide season, two, gospel story connected to that season, three, hinge moment where as a church has two parts. So we're now at 3A, with me? So most of you know our former uh, lead pastor uh, has been uh, gone for over two years now and we've been gearing up for a leadership search. So I've asked our moderator, Peter Mogan, or PMO, to share a brief update as to just where we are in that process and to invite us to continue to lean in in prayer and in our energy and effort. So before you give us an update, Peter, any sermon gold you wanna lay on us from the passage. So true improvisation here, anything that you wanna raise. 
All right, let's be honest. It wasn't true improvisation. I was on a plane from Toronto to Vancouver last night and I get this uh, uh, Slack message from Nelson saying, uh, Peter, by the way, when you share this, uh, could you share some, what are your thoughts and reflections on this passage? So for me, I, two words jumped out at me on that airplane, right? And, and they've already been mentioned, but I just wanna riff a little bit from my perspective on those. First was fear. And, and we are living, well, first of all, we're naturally wired for fear. You realize that, like, fear's a protective mode against the dangers of the world. It's our primordial brain or whatever. And we see so much fear in the world right now, right? Fear brought on by the pandemic, which never seems to want to end. And fear brought on by a war in another part of the world, and threat of nuclear things, and uh, fear of recent one, inflation. What's that gonna do for us? Uh, and then of course, ever present uh, conspiracy theories out there as well that are provoking fear. So fear's a big thing. And, and, and then of course, in the midst of that, you know, and, and, the, and the disciples were fearful themselves and locking themselves in, protecting themselves. And Jesus is in their midst. And as Scott has mentioned a couple of times, says, peace to you, peace to you. And um, uh, the, the other thing I want to say is in, in the midst of uh, the world of fear, we have our unique fears here in the church, in the church world. Uh, we hear fears of slippery slopes and what if we do the wrong thing and what if we incur the wrath of God? Uh, and we experienced a bit of that as a community as we uh, went on our uh, journey of discernment towards uh, our milestone statement on LGBTQ uh, plus uh, siblings and our posture towards them. And, uh, and it got worse after, after we'd reached our milestone statement. So it's fear in the church as well. So Jesus says, peace be with you. And, uh, and right here at Easter, we see that the God that we love and who loves us is not a wrathful God. Even on the cross, you know, we've just come out of Easter, even on the cross, uh, Jesus, who is being tortured and killed, asks God to forgive the very people who did this. So God's for us, God's for us. Um, anyhow, that's, that's what struck me about all of this. Um, and, uh, uh, so, uh, in that spirit of uh, peace be with you, we enter into the next stage of our transition process in a non-anxious way, in a peaceful way. Um, and as uh, Nelson mentioned, our transition began when one of our founding pastors, Lance, left. And phase one, um, was completing the journey we were already on of uh, community engagement and discernment around what our posture and practices will be with respect to our LGBTQ siblings. Uh, and that was released in January of 2021. And while this part of our journey didn't appear to relate at the time to transition, in fact, it was because of that journey that we came across uh, a third way or Jesus-centered posture that 
all of a sudden we realized was a calling for our church to lean into and that drew us back very much to our Anabaptist roots. Um, phase two saw us putting in place some building blocks. Uh, we, we got incorporated, we got charitable registration, we, we were independent of our denomination, we uh, put in place bylaws, governance manuals, uh, and we looked at our governance, governance framework. What was gonna be the relationship between the congregation and the lead team and the pastors? And then in the past couple of months, we've entered into phase three, which is um, seeking input uh, from members of our church through our church health assessment. And this is a really important part of our, our transition process. We're really grateful for 87 of you who participated in this survey. And this week, we're gonna uh, unpack all of what has been shared with us through that and try and make meaning. You know, we were looking at things like, who were we, what's our past, who are we today, and what do we long to be, where do we long to go? And based upon that, um, we, that will inform phase four of our journey, which is to embark upon a pastoral search. And uh, by looking uh, at the input from the church health assessment, we'll start to figure out what are, the, what are the human resources, what are the skill sets that we need to move forward as a community, and what are the skill sets and uh, aptitudes and experiences of our current team, and what else do we need? So that will inform that. Uh, we are setting up a pastoral research team and that will be largely uh, comprised of uh, partners uh, of Artisan, a couple of lead team folks, and we're gonna be, uh, we expect that to take us about three to six months to find someone new to join our community. So we, as always, we commit uh, as a lead team to seek the Lord, to seek God's wisdom and guidance. Uh, and also to be open and transparent with all of you. So we'll, do, we'll keep doing that. Please hold this in prayer as we journey in this next step. Thanks, Peter. Can hang out up here. Appreciate that. Um, so that's 3A, church leadership transition. Now, another hinge moment, 3B, is that uh, Pastor Scott Oliver McTaggart is about to head off on his first sabbatical. And so what's a sabbatical? Really briefly, it's obviously rooted in the scriptural theological language of Sabbath, which is a rhythm of rest, and also just emphasize that word rhythm, not reward. So some of us are prone, probably have said, and we should say, probably, Scott, you really deserve the sabbatical. And it's true, he does, all of us do, we deserve rest, and at the same time, it ought to be something not just earned, but just in the rhythm of our journey. And so just as it's one day in seven, it's sort of one three-month period in seven years, uh, that, uh, or after every five, after you've done your first one, uh, that uh, we have the privilege of taking a, uh, a rest from the work of pastoring. Uh, my first one in 2018 was such an incredible gift to me, I think to the community as well. You come back and with a, a renewed sort of refreshed vision. 
And so I asked Scott what one of his most formative uh, kind of reflective pieces has been in terms of shaping his own sabbatical, and he shared this quote with me by, uh, by Eugene. Two slide quote. So he said, if we are going to take sabbaticals, let them be real sabbaticals. A willed passivity in order to be restored to alert receptivity to spirit. Prayer, silence, solitude, worship. It is outrageous that we acquiesce to the world's definition of our word and let our unique biblical sabbatical be put to the use of career advancement, psychological adjustment, and intellectual polish. So psychological adjustment isn't too bad, you know, Eugene. Tone it down a little there, but alas. Um, and with all the prayer and contemplation laundered out. So second slide. The original intent of Sabbath is a time to be silent and listen to God, not attend lectures. A time to be in solitude and be with God, not interact with fatigued peers. Hold that hits close. If help is to be given to the pastor in mid-course, it is not going to come by infusion of intellect, but by renewal of Spirit, it's a good word. So, Scott, would you share a little bit about uh, what's coming for you, what you're excited about, what you will be doing, what preparations look like? Thank you so much. Uh, first, I want to. Oh, first, I want to say um, how deeply grateful I am to be taking a sabbatical. I realize not all of us get to take a sabbatical. And it is a privilege to do it. And I am very, very grateful to the lead team, to the staff, for you all for allowing me to have this. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to a few things. Uh, one is, and sometimes I feel, if you're, if you're familiar with Enneagram language, sometimes I feel I'm a two-wing two, where, uh, which means I just care for people. And I'm looking forward to having permission not to care. And just to release that daily weight that I feel as a pastor to care for people, think about you all, pray for you all. I think I probably will think and pray for you all. I just won't be planning any formal meetings or um, taking a break. And I'm really looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to making my life smaller. Um, it, you know, the community of Artisan and the downtown east side, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to spending time with these four over here, Evelyn, Leo, and Maisie, and Aubin, and serving them, and playing with them, and having some fun, and maybe even have a few weekends together, where, uh, I don't know if you've thought about this ever, but pastors don't get to come to church with their family if they have a family, and uh, so I am looking forward to uh, being with them on the weekends, and uh, a few things that I've planned are some travel, um, a trip to Toronto for a conference and visit a, a pastor friend out there, and then um, a trip with friends to the island, um, and then uh, staying tight, staying home, and uh, not doing a whole lot. There'll be some creating, some uh, playing, as I mentioned, a little bit of serving in there too. And, uh, and then the big thing, the kind of... Uh, bucket list item that I've been wanting to do for many years, and we're actually making it happen. Uh, we're doing a road trip across Canada, and uh, we bought a motorhome, and we are fixing it up, and we're going to lug it across the country and come back and then sell it. So if anyone wants a well-used motorhome <laughs> after, come and talk to me. Uh, I'm serious. Uh, 
got to sell that thing. Um, but uh, we're, we're really looking forward to that. We're going to take about six to seven weeks to just do that trip all the way across to the East Coast and then come down. We have family in Washington, D.C., and then we'll go back to Vancouver. Uh, so I'm anticipating a lot of fun on that trip and uh, in tight spaces. I think we do pretty well. We already have a rental unit with only one uh, bathroom, so we're used to that. Um, I think that's it that I'll share right now. I've, if you have any questions, let me know. I've been telling people too, because there's a lot of friendships here. I'm not taking a sabbatical from friendship, uh, but I, am, I just don't want to plan anything. <laughs> I don't want to plan, and uh, yeah, maybe I don't want to talk about church either, so. <laughs> Watch a movie? Sure. We don't talk about church. Okay. Thank you, Scott. Such a delight to hear from you. So excited that this is happening for you and your family. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad. I'm really glad. We're going to hear the text one more time. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, had locked all the doors in the house. Jesus entered, stood among them, said, Peace to you. And he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were awestruck. And Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. And he took a deep breath and breathed into them, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, if you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? So as Scott steps out, we also have someone being sent in. So Audrey Gertson, who has been with us, come on up. Uh, for this whole year, she is a student and an employee at Regent College. She's working on her MDiv degree and has been, uh, we've been privileged uh, to have her with us as her ministry practicum, but she's going to stay on uh, past April here. And so while Scott is away, she'll be working uh, with us, alongside us, 15 hours a week and uh, for that four-month season. And then beyond that, we'll see what happens, see what the Spirit does in the midst of that. So really grateful uh, to have her with us. We're going to have prayer for both all of these folks in just a moment. So let me just come back to this hinge moment. Another word to, for hinge moment is liminal space, in-betweenness, this messy middle, which is so often pregnant with possibility. And so Jesus, very much with us in love and solidarity, but in this liminal space, we are also invited to remember our primary identity as disciples of Jesus, that we're apprentices, we're co-workers. We aren't mere spectators but participants. We're not just observers, but friends. Which means, not only does Jesus want something for us, but of us. So he breathes his Holy Spirit into them and sends them to be bearers of Jesus' love, solidarity with the beautiful world God made and put us in charge of. So we too are invited again and again, week after week, to carry that breath with us wherever we go, whatever we set our hearts and our hands to. So Chelsea, I invite you to come up as well, another one of our lead team members and the rest of the McTaggart fam. Come on up as well, please. Yeah. I just wanted to add, um, Audrey, grateful that you're stepping into this role and wanted to say in front of the church too, uh, we've given Audrey permission to be Audrey and not to step into my role or try to do my job but to be Audrey and take on a few things that, uh, that I do weekly that will help the rest of the team. But um, would you support her and pray for her and cheer her on? 
and uh, attend things when she tells you to? Will you? Okay. They said they would. <laughs> That's good. Thanks, God. So we're going to take some time uh, to pray uh, the peace of Christ over you, Scott, and Aubin, and Evelyn, and Maisie, and Leo, and also you particularly, Audrey, as you step in to this role as yourself and not as Scott, as we've been reminded. So Chelsea, would you lead out in prayer? And Peter, are you going to offer a prayer to you? Didn't know how you're going to divide it amongst yourself. That's great. And then I'll lead us to the table after you guys are done. Thanks. Thanks, Nelson. I would love to pray for Scott and family, and I'll do that in a second. And then Peter is going to pray and welcome Audrey in, in a commissioning kind of prayer. So if you'll join me. Um, just before I pray, I wanted to... Um, just give a bit of background on what I felt for you and, and as you described your own purpose in, in sabbatical and purposelessness, which is gonna be fun. Um, what I think God put on my heart for you to pray for you this morning was an ancient monk wrote an anonymous text called The Cloud of Unknowing. And in this beautiful, prayerful posture, um, he prays to God in meditative state and the cloud of all that who God is, is unknowable and majestic and incredible. Um, as you enter that space close and near to God, then you also have the privilege of forgetting all created things and forgetting creation, forgetting duty, forgetting the weight of all of it. And I hear that for you and that's what I'll be praying into for you is a cloud of forgetting that is just as holy in some seasons. So yeah, thank you. Can't do notes and hold a mic, lay hands. So. That's right. <laughs> yes, thank you. Oh my gosh. Promotion right here we go. Um, holy, holy creator, thank you so much for the person of Scott McTaggart, the person that he has been and um, just how he holds all of us in deep, deep care. Thank you God for his um, perseverance and um, attention for many of us as we had uh, pastoral cares and concerns of our own during this, un, I don't want to say unprecedented, but it was. <laughs> and Scott um, and the staff team really held so much complexity. God, we want to release him of that complexity right now in this moment. God, we want to honor the cloud of forgetting that is allowed as the gift of sabbatical is entered, the, um, that he gets to knit himself back to himself by detaching himself from us. God, we pray that you pull your essence, um, uh, gather, gather your essence into him as, as we watch that beautiful breath. Um, we pray that his breath gets to fill his body and his soul and his person and his songs and his ability to make breakfast and sleep in and love. And um, we pray for that. We pray that these children and um, growing into young people, that they get to experience their dad in a really rested, uniquely filled, undivided way right now. God, we pray for that um, season of relationship. And as the internet says, build a core memory this season. God, we pray for the RV and um, for it to be a safe haven for them as they cross Canada. Yeah, in Jesus' name, as, as a girl who RV'd growing up, Lord, we pray for the roadside um, accidents to be minimal <laughs> and, uh, and gas to make it to the next stop. We pray for Aubin and uh, her ability to re-enter um, a season of, of rich 
marriage with a partner who's no doubt transformed over the past couple years since a deep break has happened and they've had time to find each other again. God, we pray for enrichment for this family unit. And um, not so that they come back and rested and serve us, but for their own sake, so that they will continue to grow as people. Holy Spirit, we pray for each one that you um, pass through these locked doors of not knowing what's coming and just be the peace um, for this family. We just thank you for all that they've done in Jesus' name. And Lord, thank you for Audrey. What a gift she's already been in our community. And uh, Lord, uh, I just would ask uh, that you would, uh, just as Scott has has said, that you would uh, allow Audrey to minister in your name, in her own way, in her, with the unique gifts you've given her. <clears throat> with her unique personality. Uh, and Lord, uh, may she know peace be with you uh, throughout her time uh, working here. May she be filled with your Holy Spirit, breathe on her so that uh, her thoughts, her actions, her words come from you. And Lord, as a community uh, that uh, seeks to uh, be ministered to by, uh, be ministered to, to by Audrey, uh, or odds, as we call her, uh, Lord, uh, help us to, to receive well. We pray for your church and Audrey's role in it with gratitude in Jesus' name. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. I just had to say this. We have another uh, sabbatical pastor visiting us. Probably wanted to sneak in covertly, but uh, Jamie, it's good to have you with us. From Strathcona Vineyard, a co-pastor with Don Humphreys. So bless you, buddy. Give me any advice. That's great. Thanks for being with us. Oh yeah, and may God grant us grace to receive well the breath of the Holy Spirit as we, as we take that with us, the presence of the risen Christ through this Eastertide season. Um, and let's, let's pray for each other, grace to keep Easter well together as a community, and these strange times continue.